Amen. So, uh, you know, the Lord has really been encouraging me these past few weeks. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I had the uh, opportunity to go down to the CCA, Calvary Chapel Association West Coast Pastors Conference. And uh, it, was, it was such a blessing. It was so refreshing to me. And this last Wednesday, like I said, we, we had lunch. Tina and I had lunch with Beth Blades. And I tell you what, she is such a treasure. I tell you what, every, the more I spend with that lady, the more I fall in love with her. We just love spending time with her. She's so encouraging to Tina and I, our lunchtime, just hearing her heart, hearing her views on life just in general, uh, just hearing the wisdom that God has given that precious saint. You know, we, were, we, we left that lunch. I mean, I don't know. I think we, we, had, we were in the restaurant for, I don't know, like almost three hours. We, it was just enjoyable. It was so encouraging to, to us. You know, and I mention all of this because um, if, if uh, you've been here at Calvary Chapel Truckee, it's your home, you know that we've just finished uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And I, I hope and pray that the in-depth look that we took at the Gospel of Matthew uh, was a blessing to you that the Lord spoke to your heart, revealing, uh, you know, himself to you uh, a little bit more through that study. And now we're going to be moving on into another book. You know, one of the things that I love about Calvary Chapel Truckee in general, that Calvary Chapel Truckee movement that we're all part of, one of the things I love about it is the commitment to verse by verse, chapter by chapter, teaching through the entire word of God. You know, like Isaiah said, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. But again, the reason I mention all of this is because, you know, I've been asking the Lord uh, if he would have us go right into our next study. Our next study is going to be the book of Acts uh, as we continue through the New Testament. You know, but just asking him, Lord, is that what you want us to do? Or is there something special you have for us, a special word for you, for, from you for us this morning? And so, you know, I've kind of been wrestling with the Lord a bit, wondering what he would have me share with you this morning. And as I was wrestling with him, you know, I just was convinced very quickly that uh, Habakkuk is where he wants us to be this morning. That's where he desires us to be. So if you will, open your uh, Bibles with me to the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, depending however you say it, Habakkuk, Habakkuk. I'll, I'll go back and forth. You know, it's interesting, to me at least, Habakkuk means to embrace or to wrestle. could be translated to wrestle. And in this book, we see Habakkuk, Habakkuk wrestling with God. He wrestles with God over some questions that he had. You know, and many of us have questions. And we can often find ourselves in the same place as, as Habakkuk, right? Where we're just wrestling with God. And, you know, I believe God wants to speak to us today. I believe it with my whole heart. I believe he wants to give us insight into his nature today. The same way he did, the same way he spoke to Habakkuk. So just a little background for us. Habakkuk is the last of the minor prophets to preach in Judea, uh, the southern kingdom. He was a contemporary with Nahum, 
with Zephaniah and with Jeremiah. And Habakkuk saw revival taking place in Judah to some degree, you know, during the reign of King uh, Josiah, uh, who began his reign at the age of eight. You know, at the age of 16, Josiah began to seek the Lord. And at the age of 20, you might remember that he ordered the temple to be uh, remodeled. And while doing so, you'll, again, you might remember that a copy of the law was found in the temple. I mean, can you imagine just how wicked the nation of Israel had become during this time? I mean, how far they had drifted. They drifted so far from God that they lost the desire for his word. You know, they stopped reading it. And eventually they lost it altogether. I mean, they literally lost the word of God. And when a copy of the law was found in the temple, the people were amazed. You know, when Hilkiah found it, uh, he gave it to Shaphan, the scribe, and he read it before the king. And when Josiah heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes because he realized just how far the people of God had drifted from the God of Israel. And Josiah wept before the Lord, and he called on the people to seek the Lord, to keep the feasts and the festivals, and to obey the word of the Lord. And a great revival seemed to follow. But you know what? You can't legislate spirituality. You can't make people live for God or to love him. So in the long run, what happened, what occurred, it, was, it just ended up just being religious-osity, right, instead of relationship. There was plenty of motion, but there was no emotion. You know, there was law, but there was no love. There was ref, reformation, but there was no regeneration. Habakkuk and Zephaniah, Jeremiah, you know, along with others, they were placed there in the nation. Uh, they were placed there by God to call the people back to a genuine, loving, living relationship with him. And in time, what happened was Josiah died and Jehoiakim became king. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Jehoiakim, he was a really, really bad king. And the revival under Josiah didn't affect the hearts of the people. And now under Jehoiakim, the nation was plunged into immorality and idolatry. And Habakkuk sees all this and he wonders and he just asks the Lord, why? Why? So Habakkuk 1, 2, uh, uh, sorry, Habakkuk 1, verse 1 we read, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear. Even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. So in verse 2, Habakkuk, he says, Lord, how long do I have to cry out to you? I mean, it seems like you're not even listening. And what's interesting about verse 2 is the second time you read the word cry, it's a different Hebrew word, right? It means to scream. 
So Habakkuk is basically saying, Lord, how long? Well, I'm crying out to you and you don't seem to be listening. I even scream out to you, Lord, but you don't help. You seem to be indifferent to my cries. I mean, have you ever felt that way? Honestly, have you ever felt like the Lord just didn't seem to care? And in verse 3 we read, Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless. And justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Habakkuk says, I've looked all around Jerusalem and Judea. And all I see is iniquity and violence. All I see is strife and contentions. And the law seems to be powerless, or literally that word means paralyzed. The law seems to be paralyzed. There's no justice. And this is what Habakkuk sees, and it's troubling him, right? And again, I wonder, have you ever had a similar concern? You know, do, do you share Habakkuk's wrestling with God when you look around at our society, see what's going on? Or maybe the situations, you look around and you, the situations that's swirling around you. Maybe you look at our world today and wonder, saying to yourself, Lord, it seems like everything's just falling apart. You know, I, I personally, I often wonder if anybody really believes that God's word is authoritative anymore. If anyone thinks God's word even applies to them today. You know, I mean, everywhere you look, people seem to think that they can rewrite God's word, water it down, explain it away. You know, and I'm talking about the so-called church, not people outside. I'm talking about the church. And it seems to me that there's a lot of people in the church today that says, you know, I don't really like the, what the Bible has to say about this subject or that subject. So I'm just going to disregard what it says. You know, they say, I don't really think that this or that is actually all that bad. You know, in fact, I think God's okay with this or that. At least in my life, he's okay with it. You know, it makes me wonder, Lord, is your word weak today? You know, is it paralyzed? Is it unable to convict the hearts of people today? Or maybe you look at what's going on, uh, you know, a little closer to home and you just wonder why. You know, Lord, why are you allowing this situation in my life? You know, I'm crying out to you for change. I'm screaming to you, asking, uh, you know, you to move. But you don't answer. You know, you seem indifferent to my cries. Maybe you see others getting ahead. You know, maybe you see people who are not following God. You know, you see them prospering. You know, and it all makes you wonder, why, Lord? Why? I'm giving you my life. You know, I'm trying to follow you. I'm reading my Bible and seeking your face. But it just seems like I never hear from you, like you're not listening. Why, Lord? How long is it going to be before you do something? 
You know, if you feel that way or if you've ever wondered why, Lord, then you know something of what Habakkuk felt. You know, in verse 5, the Lord answers Habakkuk. He says, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, which you would not believe, though it were told you. God says, do you think I'm not working? Do you really think I'm not working? I'm actually doing something that you couldn't begin to imagine. You know, it's a huge mistake on our part to ever think that God isn't working, that he isn't able or doesn't care. And in verse 5, God continues and says, if, if, you were to, if I were to tell you what it is that I'm currently doing, you couldn't even begin to take it in. It's so great. It's so wonderful. It's so big. It's so amazing. It's nothing like you've ever seen before. I believe that God is up to something amazing in each of our lives, in our marriages, in our families, you know, in, our, in His church. I believe that God is up to something so great that if He were to tell us, right, we'd say, no way. I mean, you know, that's not even possible. And we dismiss it. You know, you might even begin to argue with God saying, Lord, there's just no way. I mean, now you're just talking crazy talk, Lord. You know, get a grip, Lord. Uh, that, that's just not possible. You know, our God knows that if he were to tell us his plans for our lives, we wouldn't believe it. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. And in Psalm 72, 18, one of my favorite verses of all time, Psalm 72, 18, Blessed, blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wonderful things. You know what? Let that sink into your heart for a bit this morning. You know, that's our God. Our God who only does wonderful things. You know, what's God doing in your life? You know, I don't really know what he's doing in your life, but I know this, whatever it is, it's wondrous. It's wonderful, right? Because that's all our God does. He only does wondrous things. And it's why Paul is able to say, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know what? Each of us can relax and trust God to carry out His good plan on our behalf. You know, you, you may not understand His plan, but the good news is you don't have to, right? There's no need to strive. You know, we just are to rest in the understanding that he's at work, that he's working, you know, doing what only he can do. Something so wonderful, it's beyond anything that we could even ask for or imagine. 
God basically tells Habakkuk in verse 5, you're accusing me of being indifferent, not caring, not acting on or hearing your prayers, and none of that's true. In fact, if I were to tell you what it is that I'm doing, you couldn't take it in. It, it would be too great for you. You wouldn't believe it. It's beyond your comprehension. And then in verses 6 through 11, God tells Habakkuk what he's going to do. I, mean, I like that about God. If I were to tell you, you couldn't take it. But I tell you what, let me tell you. And he, and he says, verse 6, For indeed I'm raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses are also are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. They, their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and are scorned by them. They deride even every stronghold, for they heap up earthen mounds and seize it. Then his mind changes, and he transgresses. He commits offense, ascribing this power to his God. God says, Habakkuk, you think I'm just sitting around doing nothing and injustice is just running crazy, it's running rampant? But I'm not. I'm preparing a people. I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans. He's speaking, of course, of the Babylonians. He says, I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans and they'll come down as fast and as fierce as leopards, wolves, and eagles. I'm, I'm going to use them to judge my people for their unbelief, for their immorality, and for their iniquity. And we see Habakkuk's uh, response to the Lord in verses 12 through 17. He says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have appointed them for judgment. O rock, you have marked them for correction. You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he? Why do you make men like fish of the sea, like creeping uh, things that have no ruler over them? They take up all of them with a hook. They catch them in their net and gather them in their dragnet. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Therefore, they sacrifice to their nets and burn incense to their dragnets because uh, by them their share is sumptuous and their food plentiful. Shall they therefore empty their net and continue to slay nations without pity? Habakkuk basically says to the Lord, how can you use the Babylonians? They're worse than we are. He says, I know we're bad, but those guys are, are a whole lot 
more unrighteous than we are. I mean, we're more righteous than they are. They'll come down and draw us into uh, their hands like fishermen, drawing fish. And then you know what they're going to do? They're going to ascribe that victory to their gods. Habakkuk is struggling. Not only is God not doing what he thinks God should do, but now God's doing something that Habakkuk thinks is just unfair. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever thought what God was doing is just not fair at all? You know, they have nice things. You know, they have a nice car. They have a, they have a better job, a better house. And you know, they never seem to struggle. There's never any problems in their life. You know, and they don't even know you, God. You know, I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm trying to walk with you, Lord. I'm trying to live my life after you, Lord. And it doesn't seem like you're blessing at all. I'm trying to hang on and trust in you. But it's just so hard. Lord, why? Look at what Habakkuk does. Chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what the Lord will say to me and I will answer when I am corrected. Habakkuk says, I need answers. You know what? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get away up into my tower in order to seek the Lord, in order to hear from God. You know, in the, in the next verse, uh, verse 2, God answers Habakkuk's prayer. You know, and I believe what we see in verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1, I believe these are keys to answered prayer. You know, I believe with all my heart, if we'll incorporate these keys in our lives, we'll see answered prayer. And the first thing we see is that Habakkuk is determined to hear from the Lord. Habakkuk says uh, in verse, chapter 2, verse 1, I will stand my watch. When Habakkuk needs answers, he's determined. He says, I will stand my watch. He didn't say, you know, I'll get with the Lord and ask him about these things next week. You know, he didn't say, you know, I don't have time to pray about these things right now. You know, I don't have, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of time to get into the word right now. But when I get a chance, when I get a, a few free spare minutes in my day, you know, uh, if, if I have time at lunch time, uh, you know, then I'll, then I'll see what God has to say, but not, not now. I'm just too busy. No, that's not what Habakkuk does. He says with determination, I need answers. I need answers and I'm determined to hear from God. So I'm going to seek him and I'm going to get the answers I need. Too many Christians today too many Christians have questions but fail to wait upon the Lord for the answers. You know, the Lord promises that he'll be found by us when we seek him with, with all our heart. Jeremiah 23, 13, it says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You know, it's a promise of God and his promises are sure. His promises never fail. He never fails to keep his word. 
But the problem is, we're just not always determined to hear from the Lord. So we think, you know, yeah, we need to hear from the Lord in regards to something specific from time to time. You know, that's certain we need that. But we fail to get the answers to our questions because we lack the determination to get the answers we need. The second thing we want to notice that Habakkuk is that he's not only determined, right, to get the answers he needs, but he seeks to get away, right? He seeks to get alone with the Lord there in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, so that he can hear from the Lord. He says, chapter 2, verse 1, I will set myself on the rampart. He gets away from the noise of his world. And he gets into his tower where he can quiet his heart and he can hear from the Lord. You know, the problem for many of us is, you know what? The phone is always on, right? It never stops ringing. The cell phone is always on. We're constantly getting notifications, you know, uh, from Facebook or Instagram to see what other people are doing. You know, the phone lights up, you look at it and it draws you in. There's always something interesting on YouTube or TikTok that, that draws us in. You know, the kids, the grandkids are there demanding our attention. The job, the boss is constantly trying to find us, find out what's going on, why things are going the way they're thing, uh, things are going. You know, the big game, you know, the big game's going to be on pretty soon. Our favorite program is about to come on TV. We have so much going on all around us, right? We have so much noise in our lives. We can't always hear from the Lord. You know, if, you're, if you really want to hear from the Lord, you need to, need to get away. You need to get away with Him. You need to get away to a place where you can quiet your heart. And it's just Him and you. The third thing that we see in Habakkuk here is not only is Habakkuk determined to hear from the Lord, not only is he finding a quiet place to hear from the Lord, but very importantly, Habakkuk, he actually expects the Lord to speak to him. He says there in chapter 2, verse 1, I'll watch and see what the Lord will say to me. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. There are a lot of ways to, to please God, but none without faith, right? Expecting God to speak is just believing that he'll do exactly what he says he'll do. Jeremiah twenty nine twelve says, then you will call upon me and God, Go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Jeremiah 33, 3, the Lord says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You know, I'll just confess, I'm ashamed to admit how many prayers I have uttered to the Lord, never really expecting God to answer them. You know what? The truth is, if you don't believe that God will hear your prayers, if you don't believe that God is going to speak to you or answer your prayers, then you're not going to hear from him. Right? 
You're not going to see him work on your behalf. Well, Gary, you know, how, how can I expect God to speak to me? You know, what does that even look like? I just ask you this. Do you read your Bible with a paper and pencil at the ready? You know, do you have a journal and pen ready to record what the Lord impresses upon your heart during your quiet times with Him? Do you come to church with a Bible, a notepad and pencil to write down what the Lord might say to you? These are all things that a person does who expects God to speak to them. The expectant person is ready for God to speak and will write it down so that they can remember it and then apply it to their life. You know, the expectant person is ready and waiting expectantly in anticipation for God to speak. They're not complacent, right? You know, the the expectant person's not just slumped back in his chair, you know, wondering, you know, uh, if there's anything in the word for him. You know, anything in the Bible study for him. He's not wondering, you know, or thinking about, um, you know, all the things, you know, uh, that need to get done when he gets out of church. Right? He comes expecting to hear from the Lord. And he's engaged and he's anticipating to hear from the Lord. The idea of Bible study, you know, that it could possibly be boring, never crosses the expectant person's mind. Because he knows the Lord speaks when the word is taught. Personally, I love seeing people take notes. You know, not writing down the things that I say, but what God is saying to them through the study. I mean, I'll tell you the truth. uh, It's very encouraging to me as a teacher to see people take notes. You know, it means they're engaged. It means the Lord is speaking. Habakkuk says, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to get away. And I'm going to hear what he has to say to me, right? That's the kind of faith that honors God. And that's the kind of faith that God honors. The fourth thing that we notice about Habakkuk, you know, is that he was humble. He says, I am determined to hear from God. So I'll get away and see what the Lord will say to me and what he'll answer me. And, and when he does answer You know, I'll know what to answer when I'm reproved or corrected. Habakkuk sought God with a humble heart. You know, he basically says, this is what I'm seeing. These are the circumstances that I think, you know, these are the circumstances and what I think they suggest. But I'm probably not seeing it the way it actually is. So Lord, correct me, please. Psalm 10, 17 says, Lord, you've heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause uh, your ear to hear. Psalm 25, 9. The humble he guides. The humble God guides in justice. And the humble he teaches his way. Isaiah 57, 15 says... For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, Peter says, Therefore, 
Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Habakkuk 2.2, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, right? It's as if the Lord said, okay, Habakkuk, you're determined to hear from me. You sought out a quiet place where you can hear my voice. You're expecting me to speak to you and your heart is teachable. Okay, then here it is. Write it down. And he continues verse two and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is not yet for an appointed time. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. He says, write it down, Habakkuk. Make it plain for all to understand so that they can run with it. Verse four, behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Whose soul is not upright, right? Who's God talking about here? Well, God's talking about the Babylonians. But in contrast to the proud, in contrast to those whose soul is not upright before the Lord, is the just. He says, but the just shall live by faith. You know, this, is, uh, this verse is a key verse in the New Testament. It's so key to the teaching of the New Testament that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes a three-volume commentary on this verse. Right? The first volume is the letter to Romans. And in it, he explains that the just shall live by faith. And the second volume is the letter to the Galatians. And in the book of Galatians, Paul emphasizes that the just shall live by faith. The third volume is the book of Hebrews, which I believe for many reasons, it was written by Paul. And in the book of Hebrews, he describes for the readers how the just shall live by faith. You know, God's people who have been justified through faith in Jesus Christ are to live by faith in him. You know, they're not to be puffed up or prideful in their abilities as the Babylonians were. They're just to live by faith in Jesus Christ. Right? And I think we need to understand God is not saying you should live by faith. God is not saying, you know, I want you to live by faith. What God is saying is the just shall live by faith. He's saying Habakkuk. He's saying Hal and Gail. Saying Bernie and Lily. He's saying, Brian and Austin. He's saying to each and every one of us this morning, you've been justified by faith and now you will live by faith. You won't always have all the answers to your questions. You won't always know what it is that I'm doing. You won't always know what you're to do in this or that particular situation. But you will live by faith not by sight, you know, not by how you feel, not by doing what you think is right, leaning on your own understanding, 
And that means you won't always know what I'm doing. You won't always know how I'm working, where I'm going uh, with this or that, or why I'm do, doing what it is that I'm doing. But you're going to live by faith, like it or not. But Lord, I don't like it. You know, I don't like it. It seems kind of mean, you know, and unloving to me. But it's not at all. Throughout the Word, God tells us that we can't lean on or trust in what our eyes tell us, what our feelings tell us, what our other senses seem to be telling us. Those things are just not that important in God's economy. Faith is the currency of heaven. And God wants us to be rich in faith. He wants us to learn how to hear with ears of faith. He wants us to learn how to see with eyes of faith. He wants us to reach out and touch him and others with hands of faith. He wants us to learn how to walk with him with feet of faith. God will not appear before us the way we want him to because it wouldn't do us any good. Right? He, he wants us to be a people who are, who are uh, spiritually developed for this life and the life to come. And that only comes through a life lived by faith. God's doing a work in each and every one of us, helping us to, to rely less on what we see with our eyes, relying less on our feelings, you know, so that we can be more dependent on him to lead us and to guide us into his will. The truth of the matter is dependence blesses God while independence, it's simply sin. You know, that's just the plain and simple truth of it all. God would say to Habakkuk, let the Babylonians be puffed up. You trust in me. God would say to each and every one of us this morning, let the world do what the world is going to do. Let the people do what the people are going to do. But as for you, you trust in me. I strongly believe that's a word from the Lord for each of us this morning. Let the world do what the world is going to do. Don't allow your eyes to focus on the circumstances or the situation. Don't worry about what the next week, the next month, the next year is going to bring. Just trust in the Lord. Let your heart rest. And rejoice in him. Rest in the knowledge that he has a plan for what it is that you're facing. And he's going to see you through to the end. No one is ever going to regret waiting on the Lord or trusting in him. None of us are going to be in heaven saying, you know, I trusted too much. You know, I waited too long. That's not going to be the case. I believe the Lord would say to each and every one of us this morning, just follow me. You know, you don't have to worry. You don't have anything to worry about. Matter of fact, I'm going to see you through it all. I'm going to see you through to the end. God is sovereign. He will accomplish that which pleases him. And it pleases him for us to trust in him. It pleases him for us to rest in him. It pleases him when we place our hope in him. 
Now, the rest of chapter 2, God goes on to reveal two truths to Habakkuk regarding himself. The first, God is just. God pronounces five woes on the Babylonians, making it clear to Habakkuk that he knows their sin and will deal with them when his timing is right. Judgment is sure. You'll find in verses 6 through 8, there's a woe against greed. In verses 9 through 11, a woe against covetousness. You know, a frequently overlooked sin in our culture and in the rest Western world in general. In verses 12 and 13, a woe against murder for gain. In verses 15 through 18 is a woe against drunkenness. And in verse 19, a woe against idolatry. The second thing he shows Habakkuk is that God is faithful. We can trust God because he never changes. His word never fails. God's plan will come to pass. It may not seem like that way right now, but one day his glory will be revealed in all the earth. And we read that in in Habakkuk 2, 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So let me ask you a question. How do the waters cover the sea? Answer, completely, totally. The glory of the Lord will one day spread across the earth and completely fill it. His word will never fail. Even if it doesn't look like it now, you can trust him because he's trustworthy. In the meantime, or actually maybe I should say, until that time, God is on the throne. Lee reminded me of that very thing this morning. God is on the throne. He has everything under control. In verse 20, Habakkuk 2.20 But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. It's as if God says to Habakkuk, instead of doubting and asking questions that have answers that you couldn't possibly even begin to understand, look up and lay hold of my assurances. And you know, I think that we too need to learn to look up, to grab hold of the Lord's assurances for us and to never, ever let it go. In chapter 3, we find Habakkuk praying and praising the Lord. Verse 1, he says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet uh, on uh, Shigonoth. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, I, O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. And then we go on. Habakkuk verses 3 through 7. He praises the power of God. And then in 8 through 16, we see Habakkuk praising the purposes of God. And in 17 through 18, Habakkuk declares in spite of the circumstances, he's going to rejoice and trust in the power and the purposes of of God. And then finally, in verse 19 of chapter 3, we see Habakkuk's beautiful confession of faith. He says, verse 19, 
The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on the high hills. Basically, what Habakkuk is saying is just like the deer who runs about all over the place, you know, never slipping, never falling, but he appears to be skipping and, and prancing joyfully, God will make my steps just as firm and as lively as I trust in him right? He's not going to allow me to slip or fall. And I'll do more than just wander through life. I'll skip. I'll skip about this life with joy. Man, that is confidence in the Lord. Habakkuk just displays this confidence in the Lord. And that's the kind of confidence in the Lord that blesses our God. You know, this book, it's such a, a wonderful little book. If you find yourself in a place where you're wondering, what, what are you doing, Lord? You know, where are you at in these circumstances? You know, what, why is this going on in this situation? You know, turn to this book and let the Spirit of the Lord speak to you through this little book. Determine in your heart to hear from the Lord. Take time to get away and seek Him. You know, to get away, just you and Him alone. Expect to hear from the Lord. Be humble and teachable. You know, be open to His correction. Maybe you're not seeing things the way they really are. And be comforted in knowing that He has a plan. God knows what's going on and he has your best interests in mind. And if you'll do these things, then you too will be found praising his power and purpose in your life. And you'll find joy and rejoicing in him in spite of the circumstances, in spite of this present situation, and in spite of the circumstances and situation that is ahead of you that are beyond the horizon. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this book. And Lord, I trust it's an encouraging word to each of us. Lord, again, I, I pray, give us ears to hear your encouragement. Lord, give us a heart to receive what your spirit would speak to us this morning. That you're in control. That you're working. And you're not just at work. You're working something that is amazing in each of our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in your church. Lord, we live in exciting times. Help us to get our eyes on you off, off the, the talking heads on the, on the news channels, out of, out of the, the, what's going on around us. And just fix our eyes on you and follow hard after you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, Lord Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen.